So let's face it, managing compliance sucks. It's complicated, it's so hard to keep organized, and it requires a ton of expertise in order to survive the entire process. Welcome to Compliance Unfiltered, a podcast dedicated to making compliance suck less. Now, here's your host, Todd Cashew with Adam Goslin. Well, welcome into this week's edition of Compliance Unfiltered. I'm Todd Cashew, alongside the one and only Adam Goslin. Adam, how the heck are you today? I'm doing good, Todd. How about you? Man, I can't complain. I really can't. I try. No one listens. We keep it moving. <laughs> um, no, in, in reality, I'm sitting here. It's a beautiful day. I'm having a conversation with you. And uh, this one is, is actually something that I'm really excited about. Uh, I'm a big fan of building cultures uh, within organizations. Uh, I think that ultimately, if you can galvanize a team or, or an organization around a central theme or idea, uh, you're going to be able to drive to success in a more efficient and effective manner. Um, and I think that kind of leads perfectly into our conversation today, Adam, which is around a culture of compliance. Why is that important? Well, as I was mentioning in the last podcast, you know, the the, the fact is security and compliance engagements aren't are not just an IT thing. Um, you know, when the when the program's being, you know, being appropriately run, you know, it should have impacts across the entirety of the organization. So that means, you know, all of the personnel, every department, all the vendors, you know, et cetera. Um, and so it stands to reason that everyone associated with the company, you know, not only has a part to play, but, you know, also has responsibilities, um, you know, in, in relation to your security and compliance program. I mean, how, I guess, is the, the best way to go about that. I feel like there's too many companies that treat their annual and security and appliance engagement as just like like an event. Yay. And then it's over. Am I wrong? Uh, yeah, I can't tell you how many uh, how many treated it treated as a as an annual event. It's like, oh, it's that time of year where we go <laughs> where we go through the security compliance scramble. And uh, so it, you're you know, saying it's not Toyota thought. <laughs> no, uh, it, you know, the, the, the reality is, is that, you know, if you're doing it right, then, you know, then, you know, there's there's things that happen, you know, happen throughout. But, you know, part of the part of the challenge that I had through the years of, of dealing with companies and trying to help navigate them through their security and compliance is that they were treating it like some, you know, annual event. You know, everybody, you know, everybody, you know, goes heads down for fill in the blank weeks, usually months, um, you know, type of thing. And then at the end of it, you know, everybody like goes, oh, thank God, we made it. We got through that. Now, we, now we're going to go back and do our real job, you know, now that we've right. gotten all this security compliance mumbo jumbo out of the way. Um, you know, and, and so they look at the security compliance you know, annual event as some gigantic PETA, you know, that they just got to <laughs> that, that get through. Uh, and, uh, you know, and then everybody kind of goes back to doing what they're doing, you know, but, you know, when you, when you're running a real security compliance style program, you know, there's important tasks that are driven either by, you know, events that happen within the organization or that are kind of time-based. So, you know, there's various, oh, yeah, I was just going to say, well, let's, let's talk through some of those. Like, what is, what does that look like? Yep. So, 
you know, we need to, you know, and, and companies need to be paying attention and, and validating th things all year long. Um, so there's certain events that are going to, you know, going to occur, um, you know, that are, you know, that that will happen, that will, you know, kind of instantiate, you know, changes. Um, but then there's also, you know, also items that, you know, that that are just time based. So events that occur, um, you know, hiring somebody, um, shifting someone from department to department or any terminations or departures, you know, somebody puts in their notice, you know, sure. all, all of those events should be triggering activities within the, you know, within the organization. Um, you look at, you know, you look at things like their, their change control. Now this could be, this could be change control. Let's say they're doing software development and they've, you know, issued a new, you know, kind of a new product release or a new release for fill in the blank system. Um, this could be patching, you know, change control. This could be applying firmware to the, you know, to their firewalls. You know, it could be all sorts of, uh, of different elements that fall into the kind of that change control aspect, but change control that change control should be triggering change control, but right. there's also a bunch of ripple impacts from change control. So you've got, uh, if I'm going in and I'm making a change and that change is materially effective to, uh, it could ripple into my inventory, it could ripple into my network diagrams, data flow diagrams, you know, all sorts of different, you know, kind of supporting <laughs> aspects and elements of, you know, documentation for the organization. So, you know, the, the change control arena oftentimes is one of the tougher ones for for companies to to be able to kind of get their arms around certainly the deployment of any new assets um you know would trigger you know changes to all of those kind of aforementioned you know ripple impacts that i was just talking about um and any major internal technical changes so what i mean by that is you know let's say that uh we decided to you know recode a site from one language to another that's kind of a major change uh, if I'm going to switch out the, you know, the firewalls for the organization, we're going to switch from using this to using that, um, you know, uh, changes to the operating system where I'm going to switch from Windows based to Linux based, etc. So there's certain things that are going to happen within the organization, which are going to fall into that major change. You know, those those will trigger uh, a series of internal events, not the least of which is change control. But, you know, also, uh, depending on what security and compliance requirements you've got that you're subject to, generally speaking, you know, things like uh, we need to go rerun our vulnerability scans. We may need to go in and do additional rounds of penetration testing. You know, things along those lines are going to start kind of coming into play. And well, so, oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just, I was just going to ask here, like, as those things start to come into play, like, I feel like there has to be some sort of way to stay on top of this stuff more consistently. Am I wrong there? No, no. And, and, you know, the, the, the reality is, is that as I was going through these engagements, um, you know, for, for the last, you know, kind of 12 plus years, um, one of the big problems was this mentality of, of everybody treating this like an annual event. And so, you know, one of the things that, that TCT did, uh, actually over five years ago at this point in the game, it's, it's funny how, how, how fast time flies. Um, but, uh, you know, over five years ago, I, we made a change to the, to the TCT portal. Uh, we implemented a mode that was called operational mode. So what I was tired of, uh, uh, what, I, what I was tired of and what I was encountering is that mentality of this kind of annual, you know, annual event notion. And so I would go in and I would show up on site 
for you know the annual you know the annual auditor event for a fill in the blank company, only to find out that oh well we forgot to do this or you know Bob didn't do that or he was supposed to pass it to Mary or Mary was supposed to pass it to Frank, you know whatever and you know everybody point right and then they wouldn't have elements uh you know elements that they should have in place. So we talked earlier about you know a series of event-driven, you know, things that would happen within the organization. But in any given security compliance certification, there's items that need to be done, you know, every day, every week, every month, every quarter, twice a year, once a year. And so, you know, that operational mode in TCT portal, you know, effectively helps organizations to, you know, kind of feed them, uh, you know, a, 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 dribble list of things that, hey, these are all the elements that you need to do, um, you know, throughout the period. It also provides them with checkpoints so that they can go in, um, they know what needs to be done and when, stay on top of it. Um, and that shifting into that mentality actually made for a huge, huge difference in terms of the volume quantity of elements that became a problem at the end of the annual scramble, you know, that was happening before, because, you know, as of Q, you know, we kind of break these things up into quarters. Mm -hmm. And so as of Q1, we could go in, gather evidence, uh, make sure everybody was doing what they needed to do, make sure they actually, you know, provision that evidence so that we could go put, start putting it into the review process. And by looking at it at the end of their kind of compliance quarter one, that also meant that if there were problems, tweaks, adjustments, changes that needed to be made, we were catching this stuff really early in the cycle. So by the time that we got around to Q4, you know, or semi-annual period two, um, you know, all of which kind of happens at the end of the year, we now have had a roadmap and the client was used to what they needed to produce and we could make sure that we had it all buttoned up. Oh my God, it made things so much better because we get to that annual event sitting alongside their assessor and and just be able to say, here, you know, here you go. We've got everything's everything is right, ready to go. You want that in red or blue ribbon, you know, <laughs> we, we're on it. And so it, it really made a very, uh, a very substantial difference in the feel of that, you know, kind of annual event that, you know, that other organizations were doing. You know, the, the, when companies go through and they leave all their compliance to the end of the cycle, it, it just, it dramatically increases the, the chances that they're going to have problems that without corrections. And my problem was I, I'm sitting there with the assessor, right? Uh, I'm theoretically trying to help this company navigate the waters and whatnot. Well, how do I explain that, you know, whatever, that, that, that Mary didn't do fill in the blank or Bob doesn't have evidence for this quarter, whatever. It, it, it's, 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 a, it's a situation that, that is untenable and puts really the assessor in a bad situation, the client's not happy, you know, all the way around. Uh, and so really taking this, taking this more proactively uh, uh -huh. made it made a huge, huge amount of difference in terms of the, you know, the path that these companies would go through. Sure. And that, that makes a ton of sense. But I guess now it's probably time that we actually address really the, uh, the elephant in the room here. And that is, is a culture of compliance. We kind of talked around the periphery of it, but what is it exactly? Well, it, it's really it, it's really a fundamental difference in 
how the organization goes about doing what it's doing. So we, we talked earlier about the fact that, you know, they, they have this kind of annual scramble, you know, that they would, that they would go through. And there's a real stark difference between the, the company that goes through the annual multi-month scramble and the company that that has security and compliance that takes on this feel, you know, that's kind of part of the DNA of the organization. Um, you know, uh, you know, one of those, uh, you know, it, this it, it's it's a lot different than you know the you know the company that goes and puts up the you know is this good for the company banner, um, <laughs> yeah, you know that uh, you know that the crafty leadership gets from some management consulting company. Um, uh-huh. You know, and 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 it's and it's in stark contrast to you know people putting lip service to their security compliance, uh, you know, uh, you know program. You well, know, I feel where, like there's a lot of that, Adam. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah. Unfortunately, um, you know, there's there's a lot of companies which like to be. You know, I I I I think they're delusional in terms of you know how they go about man, you know kind of managing their program because uh, they'll put a lot of lip service to about how much they care about security and compliance, and meanwhile that they, they're not paying attention to it. Nine, you know, whatever. Let's say it took, that, that their scramble takes three months. Well, that means nine months of the year they're not paying any, any attention at all to security and compliance. You know, they're just trying to you know trying to pin it all together and 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 scrape together enough evidence at the last second to try to you know hopefully blessedly pass their you know fill in the blank on it. And so, you know, it's uh, it's just a bad situation. You know, the, the, the culture of compliance, it has to be, you know, pervasive. It has to get through sure. all of the, all of the personnel, all the departments, all the vendors, you know, they need everybody on the same page rowing in the same direction um, when it comes to security and compliance. So, I mean, how does a company kind of migrate towards a culture of compliance from from where they are currently into kind of changing that mindset throughout the organization over towards uh, one that is compliance focused? Well, it, it starts at the top, bottom line. Um, and, you know, no offense to the to the various either owners levels of upper and middle management of, of most organizations that I've that I've uh, kind of worked with, um, you know, that I've encountered, if you will. You know, but that that buy in's got to happen at the top. It doesn't do anybody any good to have you know leadership that's obviously not supportive of the security and compliance functions, you know, um, you know, yeah. the, the, you know, the, the employees, departments, vendors, they see through that, you know, BS lip service, you know, that that's put on by the uppity ops. Um, you know, if they obviously don't give two craps about it and it's more of a thorn in their side, then, you know, how do you think that the internal, you know, the internal people are going to, are, are going to end up, you know, end up, uh, you know, perceiving, you know, the, the, the state of the security and compliance program. And, you know, there's a number. Oh, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, I mean, ultimately when we're talking about business, it's going to boil down to the dollars and cents, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, there's a lot of examples of, of, of how you kind of see, you know, see, 
what I call the BS lip service, you know, uh, you know, kind of bubbling up within the organization. This is just, this is just to give the listeners, some, you know, some good, some good kind of introspective points to go look at their own organization. And, you know, if you're checking any of these boxes, well, you know, then, you know, you don't really have a great culture of security and compliance and got some work to do, you know, so some examples, you know, you got a, a, a CFO, that constantly, never-endingly droning on about how much money we're spending on security compliance-related expenses. You know, if they could, if they, if they, you know, if they are are that uh, tight on the purse strings related to, you know, related to what's being spent on security and compliance. Well, how important is it really? You know, uh, yeah, I get it that you always want to be, you always want to be. Um, you know, you have a fiduciary responsibility to the organization to right. try to make the dollar stretch. But there's a stark difference between, you know, um, you know, wanting to achieve a particular line item goal and not wanting to spend 10 grand, but wanting to spend eight grand type of thing. OK, fine. But, you know, where they're just straight up griping about everything under the sun that you have to go spend, you know, then then that's a key indicator. Um, oh, more often than not, uh, uh, the salespeople, <laughs> the salespeople. Oh my God! What? Uh, yeah, yeah, what? yeah. So, yeah, sorry to all the salespeople out there, but when sales is just bitching about, you know, about oh how much the security and compliance functions are slowing down the onboarding of their new engagements, and we can't just fling dollars through so we can all get these wild paychecks and blah blah blah, you know, then that's kind of another indicator. Um, you know, CEOs, um, you know, that which will deprioritize either CEOs or, you know, or leadership teams, which are sitting there with a list of list of things they could possibly go in and do right projects that we need to get done and, or whatever, and constantly deprioritizing any of the security and compliance elements or, you know, training and, you know, and supporting elements of the security compliance program when they're when they're deprioritizing um, security compliance against, you know, the, the what, what they they like to look at as there's the business objectives and then there's this annoying security compliance crap that we've got to do, you know? Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it, it, it doesn't matter how they put it, but anybody that's paying even a modicum of attention is able to just see through this stuff. Like a, it, it, it's like having a, having a spotlight behind cheesecloth, you know? Um, <laughs> sure. you know, and, and then you've got internal leadership that, you know, that are they're just griping about, all these negative impacts the security compliance programs having on their department. Oh, we can't get our real job done because we've got to go and screw around with the security compliance stuff again. You know, it, I just you 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 hear it from a bunch of different angles, and you know those are just some of the some of the examples that you know that I'll see within organizations. And if you're seeing that in your organization, there's some room for growth. You know, the 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 reality is is we we need to take this stuff seriously. You know, it's in everybody's best interest. So so well I guess let's take the opposite approach here. Let's say uh in the uh in the puppy dogs and rainbows version of this <laughs> uh everything is in place and people are on board and they're very excited about the new culture of compliance that their organization is building. Mm -hmm. How do they maintain it? Uh, how, how do they maintain it? How do they make sure that it sticks around? How do they make sure that it truly becomes pervasive over time and not just around that annual event? 
Well, you know, certainly we talked about it kind of started start starting at the top, but not only does it need to start at the top, it need that ball needs to be carried by those that are, you know, kind of middle management and above. Everybody needs to be taking this stuff seriously. Um, you know, if they're taking it seriously, their attitude, their approach, um, you know, their push, um, the, you know, all of these elements of, kind of of the security and compliance machine are going to start driving in that, you know, kind of in that singular direction of, uh, you know, kind of of uh, of managing and maintaining and taking seriously the program that that we're trying to get put in into place. Um, you know, another element is you know just making sure that that training's being performed in accordance with you know with compliance requirements. Now, you know what what a lot of folks don't realize is there's a there's a number of different elements of uh, of training that come into play. You know, so certainly <clears throat> certainly general security awareness training, right? Um, improving the overall uh, you know kind of vision towards security. Uh, of the you know, of people across the organization. So, um, you know, in some organizations, I've seen you know kind of uh, I've seen them take a couple of different approaches. Sometimes it's the same training session for everybody, uh, and then they end up having you know uh, then they end up having some um, um, you know some specialized training for certain certain members of the team. So maybe they'll have like frontliner training. And then kind of do in depth, you know, in depth advanced training for you know for folks that maybe you know have greater exposure like IT. Um, you know, there's there's uh, secure development training. So if your organization's doing uh, secure coding for uh, you know for a, a a particular solution which you're kind of coding from the ground up, you know, then there's some secure developer training that needs to come into play. Um, there's also uh, tr specific training related to compliance around. Uh, incident response. So um, your incident response program, whoever's whomever's involved directly in the in the um, incident response team, um, they'll go through kind of an, an annual training. Um, so all of those are kind of specific prescriptive trainings that will happen, you know, in most organizations. But you know, even at that. Um, you know, you go look at, um, you go look at, I'm going to call it internal training, right? Um, so making sure that, that all of your personnel are up to speed on the, you know, kind of the internal procedures, um, uh, that, that need to be done. So, you know, when we go through the annual event, you know, but, you know I'll give you an example in HR as, as an example, we'll, we'll go sit down and, and kind of talk through, okay, well, when we're going to onboard somebody, what are all the activities that need to happen? You know, what are the steps and stage gates? Who needs to, you know, provide approval, then who does what, you know, who provisions their AD accounts and who uh, adds them to groups and what groups should they be a part of, et cetera. Well, that's all great. And we get through that annually, but then, you know, right after the compliance thing, you know, we, we right after the annual audit, if you will, they go and bring on, you know, two interns and one new person in HR. Well, make sure that they're trained up on what all needs to be done, um, because those internal procedures um, that 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 happen, those internal procedures are really important. Because when you go in, we were talking earlier about you know kind of having that you know kind of ongoing you know ongoing look to uh, to the operational compliance for the organization and not making it just that annual event. Well, you know it 
if you don't do train the internal personnel on those internal procedures, then what how that ends up kind of uh, uh, showing itself, if you will, is all of a sudden now I'm collecting Q3 of the evidence for people that we've onboarded. And now we've got people that didn't follow the internal process. We don't have the artifacts that we need to be able to provide for, you know, provide as evidence for, you know, for the, the security compliance well, engagement. Well, I guess that's the question is that, that how do you kind of ensure that level of accountability? Well, it's and that that accountability when it comes to the internal procedures, that's something that has to be happened internally within the department, right? Um, yeah. You know, they know when they're they know when they're bringing on personnel. They've got to have a you know kind of a, a a locked up process for the onboarding. It's not just go in and onboard them, whip them an email account, make sure they got access to their stuff, and clap them on the back, wish them luck, but. When they get into you know into the department, somebody needs to do some internal departmental training to make sure that the that the new resource knows and understands how things are done and what things they need to do, et cetera. Um, you know, when it comes to the training, making sure that that training, uh, you know, training gets refreshed periodically. I've, I've seen in more organizations than not, you know, somebody whatever somebody back in 2016 made a you know made a, the the template for the security awareness training and then they've never touched it since you know um make sure that it's changed i mean people are going to get bored after year 2 and 3 and 4 of hearing the same stuff um so mix it up a little bit add some new add some new content uh you know get some new information included in your security awareness training give them real world examples of stuff that's really happening right now, <laughs> you know, or with, whatever, within the last year, you know, type of thing. You know, it, there's a lot of different ways to be able to, you know, to be able to kind of do that, engage, et cetera. Um, you know, we're talking about persisting that culture of compliance. It really, you know, it really comes down to, you know, kind of how, how folks look at, the security compliant function of the organization, um, you know, there's all sorts of fun stuff you can do, you know, different contests and programs who can find, you know, the biggest improvement item this quarter or whatever, give away a $50 gift card. You know, you start getting people thinking about, you know, thinking about it and, and wanting to help the organization and protect the organization. You know, it, it, it's a, it's actually, uh, it's pretty cool. Uh, you know, watching, you know, watching everybody kind of get behind, uh, get behind that security compliance program and become part of it. You know, um, that's yeah. really what you need to what you need to end up doing um, when it comes to, you know, and then on the flip side of that, you know, with any with any you know, kind of with any structure that you've got with any program that you go lay out. Um, you, you know, there, there's, there's, you, you, we've now, we've talked a lot about what needs to be done and put in place, but you know, you also, any program needs an enforcement arm, right? So sure. make sure that you're holding the employees and employees, partners, vendors, what managers, et cetera, accountable, you know, um, if people are violating policies and then they can just get away with it with a, you know, slight slap on the wrist. You know, that says several things to the, you know, to the, to the folks within the organization. Number one, it just underscores how little you care. Um, you know, and number two, if there's no consequences, then who's going to bother, you know, who's right. going to bother giving a crap about doing it right or not. They're just going to do whatever they want to go do. So if they know that there's an, an enforcement arena, uh, then that will, that will go a long way. Not, notwithstanding that, 
policy violations, et cetera, for most security and compliance programs. And part of that requirement is that there are repercussions, written, you know, written repercussions. So one thing, especially for in numerous organizations, I have seen, I'm not a gigantic fan of either end of the spectrum. So on one side, you'll have the eternal softies of the world, you know, that'll let everybody get away with murder. Uh, and on the other end of the spectrum, you've got the dictators, right? Um, you know, it, it's got to be somewhere in the middle. It's got to be tempered, um, you know, et cetera. But there has to be some form of, of enforcement. So HR needs to be ready to, to enact write-ups for policy violations and, and, and holding those employees accountable. Because the minute you go in, it's, it's actually pretty interesting. The minute that somebody goes and gets written up for not doing, you know, whatever it may be, you know, not doing fill in the blank, not following this policy, whatever, all of a sudden it, the word gets around. Everybody starts paying more attention, you know, that type mm. of thing. So it's a, it's kind of a combination of things. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of the heavy handed, you know, heavy handed security compliance program because people tend to then resent it, but it's gotta be a combination of holding them accountable while getting them engaged, while having that management, you know, management, uh, you know, support, you know, while, you know, uh, while bringing the employees in and being part of that program by, by encouraging their input, encouraging their feedback and, and, and putting together programs where they feel like they're an active participant, not, yeah, 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 I'm going to do this because I had to go to my, you know, go to my freaking annual training. You know what I mean? Sure. Uh, make, them just part, not... make them make them an active participant and, and make it something that, uh, that it, it's not something that, that everybody talks about. It's just something that everybody does because it's yeah. part of the deal. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. That's for sure. Well, that's all the time we have for this episode of Compliance Unfiltered. I'm Todd Cashel. And I'm Adam Goslin. Hope we helped to get you fired up to make your compliance suck less.